This is Adam Leonard, and I welcome you to the Soul Growth Podcast, where you come to nourish your mind, body, and soul. Let's take a deep dive together into the depths of human experience to break free from limitations, unleash hidden potential, and grow into the greatest version of yourself so you can live your best life. Welcome to episode two. What is soul growth? Now, this episode is designed to tackle a few questions I have had. When people have asked me, what exactly is soul growth? And why is it important? Now, if you've listened to my last podcast, which was the What is the Human Experience podcast, episode one, I went into detail into the mind, body, spirit layers of human experience. And that the soul is an aspect of ourselves that lies within the spirit layer. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, I would advise you to, you know, before you go any further in this episode, just to listen to episode one first. But I will give you a brief recap just to, you know, set the foundations. The mind layer of the human experience is where we experience our thoughts and our feelings. The body layer of the human experience is where we experience the physical form, the body itself, and the energetic body, which is like the chi that runs around the auric fields, etc. And the spirit layer is where we experience the will of our soul and the connection to the collective consciousness, spirit or God or, you know, fill the blank, whatever suits your narrative. Now, as I touched briefly on episode one, the mind and the body layer are predominantly motivated by comfort and preservation. Okay. The spirit layer is driven by the desire to grow in power and in experience and to contribute to the world. Now the sole aspect of the spirit layer is where the drive to become something more than you currently are comes from. And it's within that understanding that I have built the foundation of soul growth coaching. And I'm going to explain why. Now, as I mentioned, in the mind layer, this is where we have our thoughts and our feelings. And our thoughts are predominantly ruled by 
wanting to be right, wanting to justify our beliefs, wanting to solve puzzles. Essentially, the mind is an algorithm that has well-carved out pathways that follow an efficiency paradigm. Now, we all know this. If you've got someone that hasn't developed their ability to calculate very quickly and they're put on the spot, you know, the, the mind doesn't have very efficient ways of computing that kind of data. They have to do their timetables and they haven't been practicing it, carving out the synaptic patterns. Then they're going to suffer. They will feel stressed, right? And so therefore the mind naturally prefers to do tasks that are orientated around the synaptic pathways that have been more greatly fleshed out. The same thing goes for the body. You know, you you have that where that your muscles like to move in specific ways. Even if you've had a hunched back or bad posture, even if it's essentially could be considered bad for your overall health, the strain to put your muscles back to the correct proportion start firing those muscles and those synaptic relays in the right direction to keep your back right is uncomfortable and it takes more effort to do so in comparison to the previous pathways. So as you can see, the mind there and the body are deeply woven to choose more effective or efficient pathways. And that goes for emotions too, right? Because well, more feelings, I would say. And there's a distinction there. Emotion is slightly different to feelings. Now, feelings are the consequence of perspective on an event. Okay? Emotions are energy in motion. Okay? There is a difference between those. And I may go into that in a bit of a deeper dive another time. But essentially, just to explain the point, emotions, separate to feelings, but they are very deeply linked. There's a, there's a consensus. Now, what we feel is directly related to what we have thought about a situation. Okay, our thoughts. If we are thinking things through beliefs that are good, then our feelings, and again, good is a big overarching term, but things that are positive for our self-esteem, self-appraising, nurturing, loving, we will have feelings that correspond to those thoughts. We will start to feel just happier in ourselves. Our general well-being will improve. And as a consequence, 
that feeling leads to emotion, right? That label of feeling ripples down into an energetic motion that flows through the body and communicates into the body and around the body. It's like the field that connects the feel feeling state of the mind to the body through the energetic body through the communication tool of emotion right energy and motion so we get from the feeling of being proud perhaps the energy of confidence the emotion of, of confidence flows into our energetic field and then that makes us stand in a more proud way okay so i'm just using that as an example to demonstrate the connection between the states and the same thing goes for if you're thinking depressed things okay if you're saying things to yourself like i am useless i'm never gonna be good enough that produces feelings of self-doubt and you know thoughts that are depressing in nature and then we get the emotion of depression or low mood low self-esteem that flows around us and then consequently we start to hunch up and you know we can see this we know this you know intrinsically as human beings we see it happening all the time now as mentioned before synaptic relays oscillate through an efficiency paradigm okay so what we think most often carves out an efficient way of thinking an efficient uh, neural network and what happens as a consequence is that feelings in association to those thoughts uh, are habitually felt and fuff all the time for example if you have positive feelings about driving whenever you think of driving you'll just jump in the car with confidence because you've got you've you feel good about it you are a competent driver whereas if you've got thoughts and feelings surrounding driving that are orientated around fear because you had a crash before or you stall it all the time and you've thought lots of negative thoughts about that event which again is important important distinction events occur our mind adds meaning to the events and again that's something different that's that's a deeper dive into mindset and perspective okay but you know essentially we have thoughts and emotions wired into every single experience in our life down to going shopping driving talking to people typing singing whenever you know whenever we choose in life we have a thought form and an emotional attachment to that that drives our body in a specific way to feel and act in accordance to that thought now since thought goes down efficiency paradigms you can understand here that all of those layers the mind the feelings the emotions the bodily physical 
layer in itself the energetic layer they're all orientated around comfort and preservation of said comfort zones why is it preservation well you're naturally going to choose to do something that is not stressful right something that is using thin pathways that haven't been used not well developed it's going to cause a lot more stress because when you start to develop new pathways stress is a consequence of learning right you make mistakes you fumble around you uh, have to heighten your frequency in terms of cortisol release to trigger all of the right pathways to stimulate the new pathways in your brain and the only reason why you'd want to do something like that is because you feel like it's absolutely necessary for your survival okay so unless you feel like that you are having to because otherwise you are going to die you will naturally fall into pathways that are comfort centric to preserve energy and you know it's well known well documented that the body is an efficiency machine it's not going to choose to spend lots of energy down a pathway that's not going to be effective now again i've labored that point but essentially we can see this everywhere again with the maintenance of the body you know it, it if you have a certain exercise routine that's set at a certain rhythm your body will then want you to eat a certain amount of calories to support that and to maintain that okay and what you'll find is that if you've had a certain level of physique of exercise that your body will naturally resist stepping outside of that normal this is where many people find it difficult to exercise if they usually don't do any exercise they will find it very stressful it will be it will use a lot of their energy and so they will resist stepping outside of that comfort zone okay now again i'm laboring the point but i hope you understand where i'm going now as i touched on last time the aspect of the soul this is the part of us that is able to push past all of these efficiency paradigms is the very side of us that is able to force ourselves to run that marathon or to persevere through great difficulties to put in hours and hours and hours of writing where your back's aching your eyes are streaming you know but you're doing it because something inside you says that it desperately wants to do so it's a will it's a will from the inside and it's the very thing that creates the champions in the world 
you know, the people like Muhammad Ali or Mother Teresa, you know, some of the most wonderful people in the world that have made these great stands. It comes from the soul. It doesn't come from comfort. You know, it comes from that beating soul that's a will on the inside. And the reason why it's important to acknowledge the soul is that the areas that I've just explained previously in the mind and body layer, they belong to a specific area of life. Now there is something called the six human needs. Okay. Now the six human needs pretty much galvanize all of the human needs into six distinct categories. Now there may be subsets and you know, offshoots to them, but much like the primary colors in the color chart, they'll all boil down to these six fundamental areas. Now these six human needs were first proposed by Abraham Maslow. Now, this was all orientated in and around the hierarchy of needs that has been implemented into school structures, for example. But fundamentally, the principle was based upon the fact that there are certain needs that are based upon a satiating drive. So needs that when satisfied are quelled and they go away. And those that are self-perpetuating. So the more you do them, the more you want to keep doing them. And they're kind of growth-centric in a way. Okay. Now, what we have here is that the, the mind and the body layer very much sit and correlate with the satiating needs. And there are four of them. These four needs are what most people in the world, I would say easily 90% of the world, focuses their attention on. Okay. The other two are what lead to greatness. Now, these four that are the satiating needs, the ones that when you have them, the desire to have them goes away. These are often always fighting for sort of dominance or actually a better word is balance. Okay. I'll explain why. Okay. One first need is the need for certainty. Okay. The first need is for certainty, right? We need to know that we have a home over our head. 
We need to know that we're going to have food. We need to know that we're going to be able to breathe, right? So if you have a scenario where that you believe that the ceiling is going to collapse on your head at any moment, you would find yourself running out of the building pretty quickly. So you can see it's a pretty strong driver and people have a need for certainty in many things. You know, certainty when you go into your car that you're not going to explode or get smashed into by another car or whatever it be. And, you know, certainty is one of those things that many people crave for. And it's an, an ironic truth that in life, nothing is actually ever truly certain. But we settle for pretty sure bets. You know, if you go into your home, you're pretty certain that if it rains, you're not going to get wet. Now, granted, there could be a random occurrence where freak weather means that blows the roof off your house and then rain comes in, you know, granted, those things can happen. But generally speaking, most of us seek certainty. You know, if you're thinking about money, if you're going to put your money somewhere, you want to be sure that, that you're going to be able to get it out or it's going to make a return or, you know, there's a certain amount of certainty that we all long for, right? Now, certainty in itself serves a purpose and many people are driven by it. And I would argue many people are driven by certainty in many aspects of their life. But if you become certain about like everything, absolutely everything, you know exactly what time you're going to get up. You know exactly the type of food you're going to get. You know who you're going to meet, what they're going to say, like Groundhog Day. Right? You then become bored. Okay, And it's at that point where that you then have to counterbalance that with the second need. It's opposite, which is the need for uncertainty or variety. Okay, If you've always got the same food, if you've always got burger and chips every day, every single day at the same time, you're going to suddenly long for anything else other than burger and chips. You keep watching the same program on TV over and over and over. You're going to long for something else. And this is a balancing act that occurs in life. You know, if you're doing a job where that you're doing the same thing over and over and over in a job, it's quite certain you know what to expect. You may then want to have some variety in your life by, you know, going and doing some kayaking on the weekend or going and partying or something like that. But once you've partied and you've had lots of crazy indulgence, maybe you drunk a little bit too much, then what do you want to do? Once you've done that, you're like, oh, I just want to go back to bed. I just want a nice bed and my home away from all of the chaos and all the drama. And just go back to my certainty. Okay. But you can see how that dynamic plays out in life. In every single area. 
certainty and variety and they're balancing and people tend to live their life sometimes you might get people that the adrenaline junkies they love the variety jumping off of mountains and um, skydiving and all of that and they may but all of us is on somewhere on the scale between certainty and uncertainty now the other drive is the need for significance okay this is another drive that many of us want to shine out to be important to win to win the race to get that rise to have that nice car you know to look impressive to look attractive we want to show off to get a qualification you know you fill the blank there but essentially many of us are driven to have that sense of status you know significance but one inherent thing about having significance and status is that it's driven by the ego that wants to shine out and be better than others and when we've been better than others or we are at the top of our sort of hierarchy tree and we've achieved great things we don't want to do that alone okay we want to feel connected to people okay and this is where we counterbalance that with love and connection which is the fourth need okay so what you'll find is they are polar opposite to each other because in order to be significant we have to be separate too you know we have to be different but in order to truly feel love and connection we have to be in and around our kin in and around equals where there's no separation now when we're loved and we're all the same we're all on the same page if we're then getting an awful lot of love and support at all times and all of us feels part of a community and we're all given the equal amount of love again there will be a drive to do something more than that i feel part of a community but i need to be i can't be the same as my brother my sister i, I need to feel like there's something unique about me that's different that shines me out to others and this is where we go back to significance again you know it's that balancing act and many of us acknowledge this within family units we're loved, but yet we're striving for our uniqueness. You know, with uh, within siblings or within the workplace, to some degree, we want to go back to that community feel, like we belong to a pack, which is intrinsic, an intrinsic need. But once we've had enough of that, we feel like we belong. We feel like we want to also become different and more significant. So you can see the way you know the weighing scale backwards and forwards. And again, many of us may focus on significance to you know an extreme degree like someone that's at the top of a business right 
he wants to be so significant, a multimillionaire that's working, you know, hundreds of hours a week in some cases. Well, not hundreds, but, you know, you get the picture. So much so that the significance is the most important thing, but they don't have a family. They don't have time for a partner. And they'll likely long for that on the inside. You know, um, but yet others that just spend all of their time just being what they've always been. Someone that's always been a family member. They are the same as everyone else. They're the, the, the sheep ideology, right? The I will copy what everyone else is because there's a sense of comfort there and you know, not wanting to feel alienated and they belong. So you can see there are the two extremes and many of us, again, sit somewhere on that scale. And that's a bit of a juggling act. If you can imagine a four-way four seesaw, right? And we're constantly on a pivot point, juggling those in our life. And most people spend their entire life attempting to juggle those four aspects of life. Okay. The need for love and connection, the need for significance, the need for certainty and variety. And balancing them all out, trying to find a way of getting them all in a good balance. And that may work for a little while. But the the illusion with that is that it's unfulfilling. It's a constant juggling act. And you may have it balanced just right for a little bit. But then what does life do? Is it come along, throws it off, throws the balance off? Maybe there's a financial crash or you lose your job or your partner cheats on you or whatever happens. It's thrown off and then you've got to start again. Then you're constantly obsessed with this illusory um, ideal of that state where everything was perfect. And so down you go again, down that rabbit hole of trying to bounce it all out. Now, you might be sort of listening to this and going, okay, I get, I get where you're going with this. So what's the, what's the remedy to that? Or, or what are the other needs? These are only four needs. So the next two needs operate in a manner that when you experience them, you want to keep on experiencing them. It's like an exponential drive. So the fifth need is the need for growth. Okay. The need to grow into more power, to grow in our experience. And many of you may have noticed that the more you experience things or the more that you grow, the more you want to, right? the more you're getting better at things, the better you want to get at things. And you want to keep getting better and better. And it's this growth curve that hooks so many people in computer games, right? Because growth intrinsically has to have an element of challenge to it, right? If you're in a computer game, 
you've got to get through things in a certain time period or overcome a puzzle or beat a boss or whatever it would be right those in sport you just want to keep playing it and keep trying keep getting better at it you want to get better and better because it feels good to grow and when you've learned something new you want to keep learning you're like wow this is amazing i want to keep learning i want to keep growing okay and so there's a tendency when we start to focus on our personal growth again it's personal right it's not it's not comparing yourself against others this is about you've been able to run three kilometers in comparison to not being able to run one kilometer now that's personal growth now when you start doing that you know you go to the gym and you lift more weights than you did before there's something that makes you go oh i like this i love this feeling i'm i'm becoming more than i was i'm growing in essence and that's a that's a drive that keeps many of us um, hooked and going for ages and the sixth human need is the desire to contribute to the world and we all know the feeling that when we have made someone's day or we've helped someone or we've given a good service or any kind of aspect whether we've improved the world around us it just makes us want to do more of it and it's fully fulfilling and again growth and contribution sit in the fulfillment category right they when you do them you keep wanting to do them and you just get more and more fulfilled so let's just paint the picture here of someone that wants to get better at fitness and they keep wanting to do it they keep enjoying it and then they then want to help others do it you know think of like personal trainers and they they can see the improvement it's making on their life you know and they're getting the bug of wanting to improve them life their happiness is better their energy is better and you just keep wanting to do that and then suddenly you're not worried about you know whether you're significant or not you know you you don't really care about whether things are safe or not i don't know whether any of you have been in a situation where you've been in the flow state where you've been creating a book maybe or a piece of artwork and you're just loving giving something because you know painting or a book or anything like that is a contribution to the world and so you're flowing constantly in that stage and then you forget about everything else you're in that state and it's in this place where that your vibration goes up and beautiful wonderful things start to manifest as a consequence because when you're in growth you're focusing on improvement you're focusing on positivity when you're contributing to the world you're focusing on love 
it's all very much focused on the positive axis of life. Right? It's not about scarcity, it's about abundance. You've got so much coming into your life. There's so much opportunity to your life. And it's very much associated to the growth mindset compared to the lower four needs that most people sit in that are focused on, you know, like sometimes a fixed mindset orientation. You know, it's not a complete science that, but there's a bit of a correlation there. And the reason I focus on soul growth here, you can see it's imperative in the word there, growth, that the soul here has a desire. Let's just say you're a desire. Sorry, you have a desire to run that marathon. But what you will have is a process where that you've got to tackle and compete with your conditioning that from the lower four needs. Because I'm going to la label them as higher and lower, the higher needs and the lower needs. The higher needs are the things that make us more fulfilled. We feel better about ourselves. We're contributing to the world and we're less concerned and we're full of fulfillment and abundance and we contribute and give to the world. And this is a state that nature lives in. All nature is growing or contributing or otherwise it dies. Right? So these are natural states. And the lower stages, these will attempt to try to hold people back. Right? The need for certainty when it comes to a job or money or certainty that I'm not going to feel bad. You know, I want certainty of feeling, which is the big killer for personal growth and fulfillment is I need to feel good at all times. You know, I don't want to step outside of my comfort zone, right? You know, the comfort zone thing. And in order to have the drive to become something more, to become more fulfilled, we need to connect into our soul power, the power of our soul, the beating heart of our soul that wants to achieve, wants to contribute, has a gift to the world, right? Whether that's the gift of music or dance or great athletic talent or the gift of healing and others or inspiring others, whatever it is, there will be challenges in the way, right? challenges to get there, that will all be those lower four needs that get in the way. And since growth naturally attracts challenge that come from those lower needs, this is the core area that most people fail on. They'll want to do something, but then they will fall prey to the lower four needs. And that's where you'll have ambitions and then you'll drop them because the lower four needs come back in. And in order to truly make any significant change in life, we need to connect in with our soul's power and we need to help it to grow, to have more influence. That, that inner hero inside of us 
that wants to make a wonderful difference in the world. Now, I'm not talking about ego. I'm talking about growing to become the best person you can be. And part of that could very well be the process of growing out of ego, where you're not doing it to be significant. You're doing it so that you can provide a greater service and to contribute to the world because growth and contribution tend to go in hand in hand. So that explains why I focus on soul growth as part of my coaching style. I help people understand what the soul is, help them to discover their inner beating soul's will, and help them focus their attention more on identifying with their soul, their inner drive, than their egoic and bodily needs that are driven by the lower four needs. And at that point, true transformation occurs. People change their identities, they connect with the inner power of themselves, and they can create beautiful transformations in their life, in their personal life and the life of others. And again, these are the people that create wonderful things in the world, the Mother Teresas and the Mohammed Ali's and the, you know, all the people that have created wonderful achievements in their life. That is occurring through a connection to the soul. So that's why I focus my attention on bolstering someone's connection to the soul. Because it has such wonderful effects on themselves and the world around them. Thank you for listening, but please remember that the content of this podcast is here for inspiration and education and does not qualify as professional advice. If you have any questions, please visit www.soulgrowthadventures.com. That said, I hope you've enjoyed our journey together. And to conclude, let's set an intention to love, respect, and empower ourselves and those around us. Adam Leonard, signing off.